This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Tara Tibbetts coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas. And you are listening to the monthly fox hunting episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network on January 20th, 2022, episode 2854. Good morning, Horse World. This is our special fox hunting episode. We come to you the third Thursday of every month, and we give you a month-by-month update of what's happening and exciting in the fox hunting world. Now, the first thing we do each show is catch up on Tara Tibbetts' most recent adventures. And for the less initiated, catch us up really quick on your mounts. You have two different horses that you fox hunt with, right? Well... Oh, Boxing Day, I only hunted one of my horses because Jaguar, the original horse I hunted, is fully retired. He is 28 and he barely seldom sees the butt of a rider anymore. Um, so I purchased Simon, my off-track thoroughbred, in January of 2017. And he has been my only hunt horse since Jaguar retired. I mean, I borrowed a horse and did a couple of other things, but of my own, he's the only second horse I've had but I also have a super fancy schmancy show horse warm blood um Coco who Coco is not what I would describe as the bravest of creatures I've owned her since she was six months old she's nine years old now and I've shown her off and on a little bit for the past three or four or five years something like that and Simon we're just going to go right into my shenanigans I guess Simon um, was out playing one day, not really sure why he thought this was a good idea, but he tried to jump a fence and got hung up on it. Ooh. It could have been, it could have been a life ending injury, but it ended up just being really awful looking and he scraped all the hair off of his back legs and he had scrapes all over himself. And then he evidently jumped out, jumped in and jumped out of the same pen and hung himself up both times. Um. So he wasn't really hurt, but he definitely wasn't going hunting. And it was Boxing Day hunt, which is kind of a high holiday for fox hunters. It's a British, generally more known holiday. It's like a bank holiday there. And I was not going to miss the Boxing Day hunt. And there really weren't any horses to borrow around. So Coco went fox hunting. Oh, on Boxing Day. So let's let's frame this. Um, high holiday fox hunting days. Imagine um, your local big box store on Black Friday. Everybody shows up. Every horse in the area is taken by somebody. A lot of those people with less than ideal riding skills. A lot of horses with less than <laughs> ideal training. It's it's fun, but it's cray-cray on these days. Like opening day, boxing day, 
um, Easter hunts if they have them. Those kinds of things are crazy. So you thought it would be a good idea to take your less than brave show horse, because your show horse does a show hunter, out on Boxing Day. Now, was this her first hunt ever, or had she seen the hounds before? Well... Yes, and kind of. She, oh no! The story's so, getting better. The story is getting well, better. Well, and I will say for for the hunt that we were hunting with on Boxing Day, it was not a huge group because the thing is in Texas, Boxing Day just means that the more like tried and true lovers of hunting really make it a point to go out. So we have less of the um, the pomp and circumstance people, and more of just the like everybody really wants to go out. So we was like a group of like fifteen, I think, or so. So it wasn't huge, but the bigger issue for us was. And I know this from, I've taken her trail riding a little bit and in the pasture next to the ring where I take lessons at my show barn, Coco is mortified of cows. And we hunt on a territory that's a few thousand acres. And the thing is, is if you're hunting on a few thousand acres in Texas, there are cows. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if if you're walking, if you're if you're driving the kids to school in the morning, there's cows. If you're going to the grocery store, there's cows. If you're yeah. if you're jogging, there's cows. <laughs> so I whip in, and so I knew we were going to go more or less by ourselves through cattle. So you know, everybody before the hunt is you know having a glass of port and whatever, and I'm like, nope, I'm going to stay sober so I do not die. Um, <laughs> And a friend of mine was in town and, and she, um, she went out and ended up riding with me, but I will say long story short, Coco was fantastic. She was <gasps> wonderful. She, um, really, it worked out really nicely because I thought we were going to have to go through the cattle, but it ended up that we just kind of were the cattle were around us all day and we were out for a good three hours. The hounds got two really good runs and, so she was next like by them and next to them, but she was kind of focused on what we were doing. And she really honed in on the hounds and like watching the hounds and she's incredibly sure-footed. So I really wasn't worried about that. She's actually better in that regard than Simon is in a lot of ways. And by the end of it, we didn't need a babysitter. I I sent um, our, our companion back to the field because her horse was unhappy being out just with me and Coco was more than happy to be alone. And I honestly think in the long run, because when she goes to a show, she's kind of bad about looking at everything except the jumps. <laughs> like she's always looking for, you know, if there was a barrel at this part of the outside of the arena one day, is it in a different spot the next day? And so I think the hunting actually might be good for her to just chill out a little bit. Interesting. So it could help her do her full-time job better. Yeah. I'm I'm hopeful and it's it's you know it's nice to know I have a second horse that can do it if I need to. Interesting. And you're not just now with Coco, you are one of the whippers in which means you help keep the hounds from losing track or getting distracted and not doing their job and wandering off and eating, you know, somebody else's dog kibble on their back porch. Um so you're kind of off on your own a lot. Although yes. frequently within sight of other members of the field and other staff members. Right. Do you think Coco would have reacted differently if she was simply in the field where she, and the field being 
the large group of riders who are following along behind the hounds, the ones that you see in all the nifty videos, do you think she would have behaved differently and or enjoyed it more or less if she had been in the field? Um, yes, I think she would have enjoyed it significantly less. Really? Because I can tell you that when we show in a hat class, any horse that comes within 40 feet of her, she pins her ears out. <laughs> Interesting. So she's a loner. Yeah, she's, she's, she's a little bit of, she's Coco Chanel. She lives up to her name. Um, yeah, she does. You know, and Simon's, he started as a whip horse and then went to the field when we would go ride with other hunts. And so now he's actually kind of annoying and he whinnies a fair amount when we're by ourselves. Mm-hmm. He's gotten a little bit better, but Coco does not care if she's with her friends. Interesting. At all. And, and I actually think she possibly could be a terrible horse in the field because she does have kind of a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're in the field, whether you're first flight in the very front or hilltoppers in the very back, you and your horse need to be comfortable with the jostling that happens. It's a little bit right. like going to the subway during rush hour. You have to be okay with people invading your bubble upon occasion, sometimes right. accidentally running into you, that kind of thing. And yeah, for if a, if you have a horse that doesn't like that and becomes genuinely irritated, you could become unwelcome in the hunt field pretty quick. Right. And I, th- I think she could possibly be introduced to the field very slowly and maybe would be okay. Mm-hmm. Because in all the times that I've ridden her in the company of other people or other horses, I should say, she pins her ears a lot, but she's never lifted a leg. Mm-hmm. So, and she kind of does the same thing to my dogs at home. I have, we have a, an Australian shepherd um, that we're fostering right now that likes to run. And like when I'm riding in circles, the, she runs in circles with oh us. <laughs> um, and Coco will pin her ears and look down at her and be like, um, excuse me, but she's never acted on it, which I reward her for. I'm like, make ugly faces all you want you just can't do anything else right and and from my point of view um allowing them to make the ugly faces it gives them that the the opportunity to have an opinion so that they don't bottle it up and then have it all explode at one time right right yeah i like that some sometime i'm gonna have to try and take the opportunity to put nigel in a position as if he were performing the role of a whip horse in that the field is way over here and he's doing something way over there. He can see them, but he's not interacting with them or associated with them because the few times I did take him out into the hunt field, uh, he really spent the entire four hours galloping sideways. Yeah. Uh, so, um, that would be interesting. I'm going to try that sometime when, gonna, when I go out with a gang of my trail riding buddies. Go, hey, guys, let's try this, and I want to see what he does. Because he might be, it never occurred to me, but he might be one of those horses that is more, is less anxious yeah. when the majority of the horses or the herd is not something that he has to worry about where he fits in. And and it can be interesting too, because I've seen just amongst like the friends that I have who fox hunt, you know, one person had a horse that just was like, wanted to be in, in, in the front of everything. And she was a field rider and she ended up more or less swapping horses with the master of another hunt who was the huntsman because the horse was much happier being in the front. 
and his horse that he had wasn't working out for him because it didn't want to be in the front. It was too timid. Huh. Wow. So they, they kind day. of sort of tell you where they want to fit. Be. Yeah. And Simon's always been unique in that he really truly does well anywhere. Like he'll winning when we're out whipping by alone, but he doesn't run in circles or act like a right. fool. He he's just, just vocal. He's, yeah. Yeah. He just talks. He's just talking. What do they call that? There's a word for that when a hound does that. Speak. But the, the, isn't there isn't there a term for one who just barks oh, just because he likes to? What is it? Babbler. A babbler. Okay. And speaking of which, what is our term of the month? Because every month we discuss one of these bizarre words that is used in the fox hunting community that nobody else has ever heard, or they've heard it and it has a completely different meaning when it's associated with the fox hunting. Yes. And today's is not an example of that, but I think it's also like, you know, the show hunters are derivatives of fox hunting. And so a lot of the words people use in show hunters, they have no idea what it means. Um, so we're here to clarify, but today's word is, um, I, I, it's a fun one. And it just, our guest today kind of reminded me of it because it's, it's a good way to get started, but a hireling, which is a rented horse for hunting. It's, a hireling sounds like a... Pet. A pet or a small <laughs> person that lives in the Shire, oh, you know? He's yeah. like, oh, is that, a, is, that a, is that a character from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> it is a funny word. And and I've heard it, you know, that usually people just say, you know, rent, lease a horse or whatnot. But I have heard the term hireling used a few times with relative to fox hunting. Yeah, I and think. you kind I've, of did that for a while, right? Pardon me? You kind of like ran a barn with hirelings a little bit, right? When I was working at Myopia Hunt Club, we had our school horse string and they were available to be rented out to go hunting on. So technically we had hirelings, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we because our school horses obviously were very good in the hunt field because, hello, we were the hunt club. Uh, so we did do that. And that's something else that I think is um, a little bit unique and you see less and less of in the fox hunting community is the ability to be someone from the outside, so to speak. Good morning. My name is George Smith. I would like to speak with the hunt secretary. Yes, I'm the hunt secretary. Hello. I'm coming to the area. I, I live in Nevada, but I'm going to be in North Carolina two weeks from now, and I'm going to be spending a month there, and I would like to hire a, a horse to go fox hunting. Would you now? I could hook you up with something. It, you can do that within the fox hunting community much more so than any other discipline, I think. Absolutely, and, and I had almost the virtual exact experience that you just described in that a friend and I went to the World Equestrian Games in Tryon in, was it 2018? Is that right? No. Yeah. That sound right? 2018. Yeah, Tryon yeah. was 2018, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we had um, recently hosted a hound show here in Texas. And so I caught, and that the judge that we had was a the huntsman at one of the Virginia hunts. But I remembered him mentioning that he was from, I want to say, South Carolina, very close to the Tryon area. So I reached out to him and he put me in touch with a couple of hunt secretaries or masters, even I think of the hunts that were near Tryon. And I did exactly what you're talking about. I got in touch with them, 
let them know, you know, I'm a member of Brazos Valley in Texas and we're coming for the World Equestrian Games. And so we we car whipped with the two hunts in the area, which were Tryon Hounds and Green Creek, and we're able to um, borrow horses or lease horses from members at Green Creek and actually ride and hunt um, the same day as the show team finals. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So you missed the team finals? No, we had the world's most perfect horse girl day. We fox hunted in the morning and went to the finals that afternoon. OMG. It, it, like, I don't know that there, apologies to my husband who I love dearly. I don't know that there could have been a more perfect day. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you weren't at, at the Tryon World Equestrian Games, the show jumping team finals was the cliffhanger of all cliffhangers. The place erupted yep. at, at the finals. It was awesome. And the Americans won. And the Americans won. It's, yeah, if if ever the World Equestrian Games in their original format happen again, I've been to two now. I cannot recommend them. You must go. That's it. So just go. Yeah. It doesn't matter all the reputation and all the horror stories you hear about how poorly run they are and what disasters they are. It's still worth the price of admission. You should go. Because we went, that same friend and I went to the World Equestrian Games in France. In oh, did you? Fun! Yes. Sadly, I didn't have the gumption at that point to ask about fox hunting in France. <laughs> I would have. Um, but we did go to, like, every horse-related thing we could find, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would wholeheartedly agree. Um, and, and they are usually, if they're ever held in those, like you said, in that same format again, they're in such horsey locations that, you could, I mean, you yes. absolutely could find something horsey to do, like, that would get you riding a horse. Yes, every minute of every day. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's pretty awesome. And since our term of the month was inspired by our guest, let's get her on. I am absolutely delighted to be chatting today with Paige Reardon. And Paige, I don't think we have ever had before one of our fantastic Horses in the Morning Horse Radio Network auditors come on and chat about fox hunting, or if we have, it's been a while, but Paige is an auditor and has a really, I think, um, relatable and interesting and just wonderfully delightful story of how she came to fox hunting. So Paige, if you would tell us where in the world you live and then just tell us the story about your start in fox hunting. Sure. Um, I live in Doswell, Virginia, uh, which is near Fredericks. It's in between Fredericksburg and Richmond. It's very small um, on a horse farm and a barn by a river. Um, <laughs> I am um, in my 50s now, about to turn 53, and I have spent my entire life being infatuated with fox hunting since I was little. Um, you know, seeing my grandmother's fox hunting prints all over the house and, um, you know, being, uh, in Virginia. So I was experienced with seeing fox hunting. Um, but I grew up as a ballerina and, um, was a soloist in a ballet company in Florida and was not allowed to ride. And, it finally dawned on me when I moved to Virginia about 10 years ago that there are horses everywhere and fox hunting is a thing up here. And I 
realized that I could actually, um, at the age of 46, take horseback riding lessons. Um, and it all kind of started out when I went to a um, consignment store called Changing Reins in Ashland. And the um, person working there mentioned that uh, she asked me if I rode or if I fox hunted. And I was like, no. And I thought you had to have a lot of money. She dispelled all of that information to me and said that um, she would teach me how to ride and to fox hunt. Um, so about six and a half years ago, I took my very first lesson at the age of 46. And about six months later, I started hunting um, in the third flight uh, with the school horse's nose up my instructor's uh, behind, um, <laughs> her horse's behind. <laughs> and, um, anyway, so um, so I got I got started living my lifelong dream of fox hunting, and um, it's been really fun. Um, I have ridden many school horses. Um, and as, as I got better riding horses, I was, um, able to ride friends horses to keep them in shape. And about a year and a half ago, I got my very first horse, um, my off the track thoroughbred named Ernie. And, um, so we have been, uh, friends for about a year and a half and I am in my second season riding him. Uh, so it's been uh, an educational experience every day um, of the last six and a half years, especially so, being a horse owner. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's a lot. To, that's yeah. a lot to do all in one fell swoop. So when you first started, I have my my volume a little too mm-hmm. low. When you first started, did you do what did you do riding wise besides obviously taking lessons before you went out into the hunt field? Did you do hunter shows did you a lot of do a hacking a lot of hacking out did you do any eventing what what sorts of things did you do besides literally the riding lessons before you went well into the hunt field? um i took just lessons and there for a while i mean the first year or so i was a once a weeker um adult lesson taker but um having a a very uh long-standing work ethic like as far as discipline goes from being a ballerina I really took it seriously and practiced and um, I was pretty soon leasing a horse out at the lesson barn and I was out there riding that horse at least three or four times a week practicing everything I'd learned in my lesson (laughs) so um, so that's how I transitioned into the hunt field um, I also had, uh, you know, two good, very good instructors that fox hunt that were able to just take me under their wing and and um, keep me safe while I got my feet together. Um, so that's that's what happened with that. When you hear a lot of folks talk about when they start riding as an adult, they have a lot of fear. I, did you experience a lot of fear, or were you just so excited to be doing it that you just? that never came into oh. the equation. I, um, I was, had a lot of fear. Um, and I still do get some fear here and there, but, um, when I first started riding, yes, it was, it's, it was very hard for me to transition into cantering. 
Um, uh, I, I mean, I was having full blown panic attacks. <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, I also have it's, a it's, um, yeah determination. Like uh, people compare me to um, Honey Badger, been called tenacious. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, just said I'm not going to give up, and um, I've hit the ground so many times that I wear a temporary vest when I ride now. Um, so even broke my neck once. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't bad, obviously, but I, um, I fractured my C7, um, in an unfortunate fall. Um, so yes, I had a lot of fear, but I just, I just believed I could. And I, I kept at it and I finally kind of overcame it. And, um, I know as an older lady that your hormones can play a game with your fear factor. Um, because when I was younger, I had no fear. I, I was a downhill skier and could do black diamond slopes. But then when I got into my later forties, I started experiencing some anxiety. So, um, so that, that definitely plays a role. So tell um, us, like, I'm curious, here. do you remember your first fox hunt like it was yesterday or did you really kind of baby step into, into the hunting? And I then... remember, yeah, I remember my first fox hunt um, and being, being a non-member, you know, you're only allowed to go out three times a season. So um, those, those, those times, it's funny to think back because now I hunt any, like every time I can two times a weekend. And then like I took today off hunt, but the way I messed that up. Um, but, but back in the day, it was the, the most exciting thing in the world to, to, um, iron my sock tie and my shirts and, and, and put it on. It was just getting dressed for the hunt was the most thrilling thing in the world. So I remember, um, I remember the first few seasons, like it was yesterday. It was so exciting. That was so fun. How long before you bought your first horse and tell us about your first hunt horse? Okay. Well, I got him about a year and a half ago. So this may will be two years. And he um, was a hunt horse up with Carrollton Hounds. And he had actually been leased to somebody who had decided not to ride anymore or not to hunt anymore. And he was turned in and he had kind of sat, sat in retirement for a couple of years. So, um, so anyway, through a friend, I came in contact with him and, um, went for a test ride up in the Appalachian Trail up in, in Northern Maryland. And um, we hit, you not hit it off, but I enjoyed him. But of course, he was really out of shape and quiet. <laughs> yeah, so a little deceiving maybe. Home, right, when I got him home and I kept him at a boarding barn where I was taking lessons um, because I'd never had a horse before. So I just thought I need to have somebody that can help me learn what I need to do with, with this horse and put weight on him safely. And, um, he 
so we took our took lessons there together and um he once he started getting beefed up he became really hot um Uh-oh. so yeah so, <laughs> and he loves the yeehaw buck he is still he still likes to do that um uh, we are working on training training that out of him um even still um but he he got super hot so I had to learn quickly that just because my friends feed their horses alfalfa, maybe that wasn't the best choice. So it's kind of, um, I guess with a lot of horsemanship, you kind of have to learn the hard way and listen to a lot of advice and then decide for yourself what, what you're going to try and stick with. Um, so I finally learned that I needed to keep them on a higher fat feed and, and only give the alfalfa as a treat. And, um, and also I've given a Magna guard thanks to horses in the morning and his whole entire demeanor has changed from that, the Magna guard powder. Um, yeah, so I've had to learn how um, to feed a horse. And um, keep him, you know, full and happy and calm. And um, our first, last season, he developed ulcers, which I didn't really know a lot about that. So it took a minute to figure it out. So um, I had to get him treated for that. And since then, I've learned about the Magna Guard and the Purina Outlast. And I've, you know, I keep a... I rub his stomach all the time. I scratch it just to make sure that he is not cranky about it. <laughs> that was that was one of the signs that he gave me that I didn't know about as a first-time horse owner. That's well, funny. That's it. the ulcer test right there. Rub their tummy. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. My trainer said, she goes, I can tell you if he has ulcers for free. And she goes, bring him over here. <laughs> Rubbed his stomach. Oh, that's well, funny. Well, she scratched it. And he started kicking and swishing his tail. She goes, he's got ulcers. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned right there. I was like, oh, okay. So that's a great way to tell without, you know, just to just proactively figure it out. So I keep a close eye on that because um, he is a very anxious horse. So um, also learning how to, he's having, having a horse and being around horses has changed my life because I used to be very type A and stressed out. And I've learned that I have to just relax and let it all go. And if I'm getting nervous to do some yoga breathing and calm down and it's helped us tremendously. It's amazing how intuitive they are to things that we think are insignificant. Yes. Yes. I I have learned that. So yeah, so if you have a bad day at work uh, or trouble with your boyfriend, whatever, you need to let it go before you get around that horse. Yeah. Um, and since they, the two horses live with me, I have to just check myself all the time. <laughs> so it's, it's really good for my stress level too, because I know they they need me to be calm. So how did you go from not being a horse owner to living in a barn? Well, I um, moved up here to the barn. Because kind of every girl's dream. Yeah. 
Yes, it's kind of funny. I lived in this barn. This will be three years now. And I moved up here because I lived down in Richmond and it was just too far to drive. And I was leasing a horse and I, I'm very serious about practicing. So it was really hard to spend an hour or more driving to the horse every day. So um, I knew that some of my friends that I fox hunt with had a, a barn apartment and I asked them if it was still for rent and they said, yeah. And then, so I lived here and um, been taking care of this barn and when they kept their horses here, some before COVID, you know, I would keep an eye on them and take care of them. So through them, I learned how to, to um, take care of horses, horses, their horses and manage um, the barn and manage the, you know, the, the grounds. And then um, they have another farm. So their horses are there all the time. And then I was able to bring my horse and then a companion here. And from the lessons I learned from them, I've been able to manage taking care of these two horses here by myself. Um, but I also have a great group of friends around close by that that I can consult with if I ever need anything so well, that's a really it's a fantastic way to learn it and kind of get in the thick of it and not feel like you're yeah. out on your own yes yes and um and that's one thing too I um well I'm a nurse so I'm very um in tune with medical issues so I I, I know how to look at wounds and figure out what to do with them. So that's a benefit, but it's also really helpful to just be open-minded and, and willing to just say, Hey, I, I'm totally green at this, please. I, I want to learn every single thing about everything, you know, like how to manage the manure and, and, you know, and, and, it really prepared me for having my own horse. That's so, just um, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And then That's everybody's so got some advice. So, and well, that never Yeah. But they have, yeah, they have like, everyone has their own advice and their own way. They like to do things and strong feelings. So you have to be very, um, open-minded and really listen to all of it and then you decide for yourself what you want to do exactly and yeah. usually yeah. you know 99% of the time people are giving you the advice out of the you know they feel it's beneficial and helpful and all those things and so yeah. it's us- usually from a very good place yep yep I don't think there's anyone any malicious advice out there but it's also not these these animals are all different and what might work for one might not work for the other. So you have to just kind of learn by trial and error. Well, and what works for one for a long error. time eventually doesn't work for that one anymore. Oh, that's my favorite scenario right there. <laughs> right? I could, like, wait a minute. This is, this has been working for the past 15 years. Why doesn't it work anymore? Yeah. That's my favorite. Yes. Yep. That's yep. Yep. I was a dermatology nurse. Uh, for a long time and it was like I was using this makeup for da 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 and it was like well you can develop an allergy to it you know it's, you know what worked for all this time 
may not. Your body might reject it. Yeah, time to open up some new avenues. Yeah. <laughs> Delightful. So, so if listeners yeah. want to go find you in the hunt field, what, what hunt do you, are you a member of a hunt or do you go to a yes. couple of different ones or? Yes. Well, I, um, I am quite social. Um, so I actually belong to the Caroline hunt, which is based in Belfort, Virginia. And then I also belong to bull run hunt, which is oh, yeah. over in the, uh, yeah, it's over in the Rapidan, um, cold pepper, um, orange area. And I also enjoy hunting with princess Anne and, which is in the New Kent, Virginia area, kind of like southeast, and also Della Brook Hunt, which is in Maryland, just on the other side of the Potomac River, and Commonwealth. Yeah, <laughs> the Commonwealth. Oh, wow, you're a busy lady. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I watch the weather, so if the weather's bad over in a bull run, for instance, then I, I know the weather usually comes from the west, so I start looking east. And um, so if if I, you know, and, and Caroline's on Sunday, so most other hunts are Saturday. So if I'm like, okay, well, what's Del- is Della Brooke going out or is Commonwealth going out? What's Princess Anne doing? So, um, you know, if I'm just dying to hunt, I can usually work it out, but not today. Well, it sounds like you also bit the bullet and have a truck and trailer. Yes. Yep. I got the truck and the trailer and, um, just got another truck because my first truck was really, um, being unreliable. Um, but yeah, so having a truck and a trailer is, is really handy if you like to fox hunt. Yes. Um, yeah, especially if you really like to travel around. So fun. Well, Paige, thank yeah. you for telling us this. And I'm I'm hoping it'll inspire some listeners who are on the fence about trying fox hunting or riding or whatever to dive in and give yeah. it a go. Yeah. I always tell people, you don't don't have to fox hunt, but if you think you might want to ride a horse, it's never too late. And the the benefits of of riding a horse, I mean, are just tenfold. I mean, if you just go ride the horse and build that connection with, with this, this beautiful being like, I mean, it just, it can change your life. Absolutely. You, know, you don't, you don't have to do dangerous stuff. No. <laughs> you can just no. go ride a horse. <laughs> but what you do with it, then that's up to them. Fabulous. If, if anyone wants to stalk you in your adventures, are you on social media or do you, do you have private accounts? Oh yeah. I'm on Facebook. And, um, that's my main thing. I, I have Instagram, but I don't know how to use it. <laughs> I haven't been able to find anybody to, um, show me how to do it, but I do have gotcha. an account, but I think Facebook is probably the wisest thing. Perfect. And I, and there's, you know, a couple of Facebook groups we've talked about on here before where I know you're active in at least one or two of those. So definitely yeah. encourage folks to check those out. Well, thank you, Paige. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. It's so nice to talk to you all. The Saddle Fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. 
The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, it was so much fun getting to know Paige. Paige is one of our Horse Radio Network auditors. If you're not an auditor, you need to be one because then you get to submit questions to various and sundry hosts for various and sundry shows on Horse Radio Network. And it gives you a way to help support Horse Radio Network programming. If you want to learn more about becoming an auditor, just go to Horses in the Morning or Horse Radio Network and click on the auditor banner. It's usually on the right-hand side. Now, this is the part of the show that sometimes we have another guest and sometimes we just gab. Yep. And I was shopping for riding breeches earlier this week, and my BFF Helena is down here right now, and oh, she just hi. bought herself a new pair of riding breeches, which are totally adorbs. And that got me to thinking. Riding breeches. Riding breeches have come a long way since 1700. So, ain't that the truth? <laughs> ain't that the truth? Your personal preference, irregardless of fox hunting or in the show ring, do you have a preference for full seat knee patch or silicone seats? I am a hardcore knee patch. Okay. Only. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, both of my saddle manufacturers advise against silicone. Really? So, yes. I have a Loxley saddle and I have a CWD saddle mm-hmm. and the CWD wasn't as quite loquacious about it, but Loxley was like, basically avoids the warranty on wear. Interesting. I, does, I, do you have any further information? Cause I've never heard this. I've never worn silicone breeches, so I can't, uh, you know, speak to any of it, but did they give a specific reason that this, that, or the other thing will or will not happen or just no? Yes. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember if my rep explained it to me so much. I sew. And so I, and I make a lot of my riding clothes. And so I, I pay particularly close attention to things like this. Cause I really couldn't do the silicone thing as a, as a home sewer. Mm-hmm. But when you put the knee patch on the saddle, on the pants, they give you stick. Like if you use like a suede or an ultra a fake suede, which mm-hmm. is usually what they are now. Mm-hmm. It gives you some grip to the saddle, but there's still some movement and, and suede on leather is not going to damage the leather. Okay. Whereas silicone sticks, it's more like an adhesive. And so the leather will give before the silicone will give. Interesting. That makes sense. That's interesting. Now switching tacks slightly when in the hunt field, are you seeing any? Uh, are you seeing people out there with the silicone breeches at all, or are you still seeing pretty much knee patches and full seats? I would say, if I was a betting lady, um, I have not noticed anyone wearing silicone, mm-hmm. and most people I ride with. 
probably 70, 60 or 70% are riding with a knee patch Mm -hmm. and a small handful riding with full seat. There you go. Now, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say that proper breeches with a zipper either on the front or the side are way more common than the tight styles that are pull-on. Yes. And I think a, a lot of that is, it's gotten a lot better. I know there's some brands out there. I haven't tried any, but I know there's brands out there that have thicker fabric. But for a long time, the the tights were just such a a lightweight, a wimpy knit fabric that yeah. they're not very warm and yeah. they don't. They're not definitely not very durable. So yeah, I I wear tights almost exclusively, and yes, it is. You do not often find tights that are made out of a. a a more robust material because not only do they need to be warm, but you're doing some bushwhacking out there. So they need to be uh, a little, they need to be made of something that that's going to resist the tugging and pulling and tearing that happens when you go through standing corn and woods and brush and the like. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I I mean, my favorite brand of breeches for fit, for quality, for construction, and because the fabric tends to, um, not catch if you're out in the woods are tailored sportsmen. Yes. Yeah, so they, are they still made of 125% rayon? It's a cotton blend. They changed fabric again. I'm trying to remember. I pay pretty close attention because they were using a shoulder, which is a, I want to say a German made fabric for a long time. They're pretty tight lipped about where they get their supplies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I want to say it's a little bit more of a nylon, cotton nylon, I want to say, or elastane. Mm-hmm. Gives which them makes some stretch, it, yeah. Well, and it repels stains a lot better than a, a more solid cotton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the last time I owned a pair of Taylor's Sportsons, they were still made of 100% rayon, and they had to be dry cleaned. No, I mean, everything. I'm dating myself here, people. Now. It was 19, yeah. 1902, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a pretty pleasant fabric. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I was curious about what the current fashion was in riding breeches in the hunt field because it's oh, it's viewed by the greater equine community as a very traditional discipline that you wear very. I'm going to use my air quotes traditional clothing, but you you're going to see romps out there, and you're going to see tailored sportsmen's out there, and you're going to see right. um, house brands like Ovation out there, but it's going to be. Yeah in the traditional tan family colors. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, I think where you're, where I feel like I see the biggest, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but there's some who stick to the real tried and true and are, will only wear a velvet helmet. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, most, a lot of the newer people to it, the sport and me, because I'm like, I'm out you know, I had a wreck last year and I fell on my head. So I'm pretty hardcore about my MIPS helmet. None of the MIPS helmets come in a traditional velvet helmet. Mm -hmm. So I personally refuse to give into the less safer technology just because even if it's an ASTM SEI approved helmet and it's velvet, I I just, I'm not, you want your MIPS, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Get it, get it there. And I've, it's been my experience at least that if you choose to wear a safety helmet, um, nobody's going to diss you for wearing a safety helmet. Now, if you wear one like I do that's got the kind of shiny, plasticky exterior, 
you'd better put some kind of a velvet cover on there, people, or you will get the side eye. But right. on the flip side, you see it's so easy. If you look at a, at a picture or if you're in person, you see a field go by, a group of fox hunters go by. You can pick out all of the eventers from 100 yards away because they're all wearing their cross-country eventing helmets, which are right. are the polar opposite of a velvet hunt cap, but they are universally welcomed because the Europeans brought that. They, the British brought that into the community and they're like, we're cool because eventers are a very important subset of the fox hunting community in England and here well, as well. Look at pictures or videos of folks fox hunting in the UK. 80% of the field are wearing the skull caps with the covers on them. With the covers on them. And the eventers wear the skull cap in a very unique way that it's like, oh, that's an eventer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Interesting. Now, being a seamstress, I know you make jackets. Yes. Have you ever tried to make a pair of riding breeches? I've made lots of breeches. They're a billion times easier than a freaking coat. Really? Yes. Expound upon this. What what possessed you to try to make a pair of riding breeches? Just to say you could? Well, I got some really fantastic French blue fabric. Yeah, And I, I should back up and say, I don't know if we've talked about this much, but my mom made every stitch of clothing I wore for showing until I was in college. She made my Western pants, my fancy show jackets, my hunt coats, my rat catcher shirts, my breeches, everything. So I came by this very honestly. And breeches are really easy to make. I don't have a very hard body to fit. So I don't usually have to tweak patterns very much. But breeches are easy. Anything like a breech is easier because the fabric stretches. So if they're a little snug... They, they just stretch. Mm-hmm. Whereas a hunt coat, there's no give there. There's so many yeah. nuances to the yeah. tailoring and there's a lot more pieces of fabric and it needs to fit and be roomy, but not too roomy. So it's just, it's much more difficult. So are, is a pattern for a modern style riding breech easy to find? Or did you have to take an old fashioned pattern and tweak it? I use the the company whose patterns that I've used the most is called Suitability. And they kind of, they're not quite out of business, but everything that they still produce is digital and they don't produce the full line of everything that they produce digitally that they had in paper. Um, did I tell the story of my Suitability pattern debacle with my mom? I don't do tell. So, my mother made my last hunt coat probably later towards when I was in high school. It fits like it's still to this day. It fits like a dream. I love it. It's the perfect right length. And anyways, well, she had modified a suitability pattern and she made her own pattern because she made a couple of coats for me, which was great. I was like, okay, I want that. Well, my mom moved like a year and a half ago. And I was like, well, where are the patterns? She's like, oh, I just took them to the resale store in Mile City. And I'm Ah. like, excuse me? She's like, well, I didn't think you'd want them. And I'm like, anyways. (laughs) Thanks, mom. I call the resale store in Mile City, my hometown. And I'm like, so this is going to sound crazy. I was like, but you should have a box of patterns for horse stuff. 
And there probably, she didn't really know how many, but there was probably, she thought, you know, there's like 15 or 20 patterns. Long story short, they found the box. And I was like, I'll buy them all. I don't care what you want for them. And I can't remember. They charged me like $2 a pattern or something like that. And it was 80 bucks. Oh, there was a lot in there. Yeah. There wow. were a lot of patterns in there. And so they shipped me the box and I'm taking each pattern out one at a time, looking for this specific hunt coat fabric pattern that I'm like going to have a coronary if it's not there. And I mean, I have horse blankets, um, Western, like all different kinds of Western shirts, Western jackets, English riding shirts, um, casual English, like old school or not old school, but like in the nineties, the, the stretch shirts were kind of like a practice shirt, not really a show shirt. So mm-hmm. I have a pattern for that and riding tights and it, 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 it. literally the last pattern at the very bottom of the box was the hunt coat. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so the story has a happy ending. Thank goodness. Shoot. <laughs> Yeah. So suitability is, is, I think is one of the easier patterns. Like the woman who owned the company and made the patterns did a really fantastic job of making the patterns fairly easy to understand for a home seamstress. But there's a, there's Jean Hardy is another brand. Um, I think I have like three different brands and I've kind of gotten to now to where I search Etsy and, and eBay for patterns and I'll search for the different brand names that I know. And if I find a pattern, I'll buy it. <laughs> Yeah, I've already got it because they're, they're going to be harder and harder and harder to find. Yeah, they are. But it, I have noticed there has been a little bit of an uptick of um, like in, in the fox hunting and Facebook group. There's a couple of people in there who are like, like vests are super easy to make. Vests are cake if you don't do the stupid pockets. Um, you know, po- vests, breeches aren't that difficult. Stock ties are incredibly easy. I can make 20 stock ties in an afternoon. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, we I think would be fun is one of the upcoming episodes. We'll chat a little bit more about making your own riding clothing, and maybe touch a little bit on just we'll we'll keep it a kind of a basic level for somebody who maybe isn't quite so experienced as you are. But talk a little bit about the different types of fabric required for different parts. What kind of fabric works for breeches, and what kind of fabric works for jackets, and what kind of fabric works for shirts just kind of an overview and i think that'd be a fun chat i think that'd be really fun too and it's it's kind of one of those two if even if you don't sew and you just like clothes i think it's interesting to understand the different fabrics and why they're used for different things yeah that'd be fun i'm down you're down well for people who want to appropriately stalk you online and maybe learn a little bit more about crafting their own uh riding wear where can they find you um, Instagram, I'm TN Tibbets, T-I-B-B-E-T-T-S. And that is my, my profile on Instagram is public. So it's everyone can see it. I'm on Facebook too, but I'm a little choosier about accepting friend requests on Facebook. So it's not as public there. And if you can't remember all of that, you can always just drop a me- email to me at horse radio network. That's Jennifer at horse network.com. I'm also the complaint department and the really bad ads <laughs> department in case you didn't know. <laughs> And you're going to find all the links to today's show at horsesinthemorning.com. Don't forget to download the free Horse Radio Network app so that you can have all the shows with you wherever you go. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Our app works for iPhone and Android. 